All right, friends. This week we're back with another episode of Music in the Minor League. This week we are joined by Trish Cramblett. You may recognize her from her band Trish Cramblett and the Bad Habits playing around town, or you may have been lucky enough to hear her records when they've come out. They're really great. If you followed us online, you heard us absolutely gush over her album Supernova. It's such a good record. We really love it. If you haven't given it a listen, do it. Do yourself the favor. It's really great stuff. We got to catch up with Trish before our show at the Old Quarter, so this is a field trip recording. You'll notice the nice rain in the background as it rained before the show, as the ambiance makes for a lot of fun. As always, before we kick off, let's get to the housekeeping. First thing, if you like the show, share it with friends. Other people know it's the way we get the word out the best. Word of mouth works way better than anything else. You get algorithms crushing down everything you do. Speaking of which, if you like the bands and music we discuss, go follow them on your streaming service of choice. Comment on their things. Follow them on social media. It helps make them visible to a few more people. It's great stuff. It really does help. So now we're going to run through, as we always do, the Brightwire calendar coming up. If you want to see us play, we'll be playing this Friday at Ronnie's Hog Heaven in Dickinson, Texas with Grifters and Chills and Whiskey Dick. Again, we did this in December. Great show. So much fun. We'll be kicking the night off probably 9 o'clock. Then on June 10th, we'll be heading down to my hometown in Crystal Beach, Texas to play at the Naughty Beaver Hunt with a locals festival, people coming home. We know it's going to be us. We know it'll be Michael Farrell, and we're not really sure who else, but we'll let you know as soon as we can on that lineup. In the middle of June, we're going to be heading to New Mexico. We'll be doing two nights in Albuquerque on June 16th. We'll be at Pokey Pokey Cevicheria. We'll be there from 6 to 9, All Us All Night. On June 17th, we'll be at Ponderosa Brewing Company. Again, All Us All Night, 6 to 9 just as well. Then on that Sunday, June 18th, we'll be heading south to Little Toad Creek Brewery and Distillery in Silver City, New Mexico. Man, we're so excited to get out in New Mexico. We've never played out there before, and it's going to be a good time. Then when we get home, we're going to be doing two special shows. On June 23rd, we'll be at Shoeshine Charlie's Big Top Lounge with the March Divide and Two Fifths. On June 24th, we'll be playing the Ace District Summer Music Festival in Baytown, Texas with us, Grifters and Chills, Daniel Lynn, Tony James, Michael Mike, and Nolan Shanks. So what makes these shows special? Well, we're working on it now, and if it all comes together, we'll be doing two full band shows. We'll have drums, bass, the whole deal. So we're trying to celebrate our first music festival in our hometown by bringing it out and going full band. So hopefully that'll work out as well as we hope, and you'll be seeing something special for those shows. July sees us playing a bunch around town and hitting the road through Kansas, Tennessee, and Arkansas. And we'll get to those dates next time. Right now, we're tired of talking and we're ready to get to Trish Cramblett. Before we start, here's a song we think y'all dig of hers. This is a title track off of her album called Supernova. Have a good one. See you on the other side.
All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Music in the Minor League. We're here today with Trish Cramblett of Solo Fame and also of Trish Cramblett and the Bad Habits. We're coming to you from the Old Quarter Acoustic Cafe. We're about to play a show together, so this is cool. It's the first interview we've done at the venue when we're playing a show with someone. Pretty cool. Landmarks. First time. <laughs> Can't wait. So All nervous. right. So we're going to kick it off, as we always do. Hi, Trish. How are you? And uh, like we always start with, how did you end up playing music? Hi, guys. Thanks for asking me to do this. And thanks for asking me to play tonight and split the bill. Uh, I really appreciate it. I started playing music when I was a kid. Um, and uh, I guess figured out people liked my voice when I was pretty young. And uh, sang a lot on the playground to little audiences. So I had kids that would come and listen to me sing. And then I had the other kids that would call me names because I had other kids come and hear me sing, that kind of stuff. Because you were awesome. They were just jealous. Well, I don't know if it was awesome, but you know. (laughs) It's always when someone's brave enough to do something that you're not. It's like, whatever, your face is stupid. Yeah. That's that's how you overcome your inability to act. Kids would call me Barbara Streisand like mm. that was an insult. And I'm kind of like, wow. Right. That was an insult. Sorry, guys. Uh, you, you know, much? Yeah. Keep it up. Yentel much? <laughs> people know people. Yeah. So uh, that's cool. Uh, and I, I guess when we, we lived in California at the time, and then we moved back to Oklahoma, and it was a really tiny town, and there wasn't a whole lot to do other than go to church. And so I went to a lot of tent revivals and basement sing-alongs, and pretty soon, as weird as it all was, it, I think it gave me this kind of cool foundation for roots music in a way, you know, along with, you know, growing up. I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and you know, we were just all steeping in fantastic music on FM radio. So that's, that's kind of what happened, and that, as I got older, you know, I kept playing in high school and was in every possible choral kind of thing you could imagine and that's just kind of how it happened i mean that's where it started should i say yeah yeah. well it's always funny like for all the shortcomings of religion it is good at pushing out really good vocalists (laughs) really does like most people we know that are really good at what they do are like yeah man i should play i'm a church band or i should sing in choir do this (laughs) yeah that was where the opportunity was when i was growing up yeah 100 yeah yeah and there's a lot of really soulful singers you know and uh also, there's a lot of forums and hymns that are just kind of the basis for American music. And so mm-hmm. it, it kind of gives you this cool little foundation. You know, I, the Mighty Orc, if you listen to him much, there's just kind of a, a low level of hymnals going through pretty much everything he does. You know, so yeah, I look back and think of that time in my life as being pretty weird, but that was kind of a cool part of it, is singing in church choirs and stuff. Church yeah. choirs in high school was like what I had access to. Yeah. So what instrument did you pick up first? Piano. I took some piano lessons uh, when I was growing up. We moved a shit ton growing up, and like every year for a really long time. And so I'd get a piano teacher I like, and then the next place I'd have a piano teacher that was a, a shrew. And so I learned some basic theory and stuff, and then we moved to Holdenville, Oklahoma. There, We'd been living in California, and there were so many drugs in the school that my parents decided they were going to move us back to my dad's hometown, and that was Holdenville, Oklahoma, population 7,000. Ooh. And, uh, it's huge. Yeah, exactly. And uh, where I grew up, it turned out that my piano teacher there—I didn't know it at the time—my aunt Denise, who was like 15 years older than me, had kind of was a wild ass that went to high school there. And my piano teacher and her were—they were nemesis of each other in high school. I had no idea. So I'm this kid, 11-year-old kid, taking piano lessons from her. She fucking hated me. So uh, I didn't stick with piano that much longer. I got back into and I started with guitar. When I got into my early 20s, uh, 
So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I can still pick out a few notes on the the piano. <laughs> Never it, got very far with it either. <laughs> you know, I mean, for songwriting, I think... It's true, It's yeah. a great... You know, if you can I'd say that with anybody, I'm not a great guitar player, but I think if you can just throw some chords together, you can sit down at the piano and bang out what's the music that's in your head. People that's the who, hardest part, though. <laughs> when then people who Making are it getting translate. the... the trans, yeah, it is hard. Yeah. Uh, but I think the more you get used to matching your voice to the notes on an instrument, the easier it starts becoming. Mm-hmm. And it just takes, you know, practice. But I've kept up playing guitar, and I, I still haven't. I'm not that great, but um, it was always, I realized it was always about the writing. You know, I live with somebody mm-hmm. who's an amazing guitar player. Yeah. And that is really daunting, because no matter what I do, I still suck at the end of the day, you know? Comparatively. Com- well, comparatively, yeah. uh, and I, I don't know if I'm a natural at guitar, but... It serves a purpose for me. Yeah. You know, but I, I'll never be a shredder. And, and yeah. you know, I've had to That's come okay. to terms with that. So we're not going to give a Trish Cramblett, like, 80s rock ballad? Mm-mm. Come yeah, on. My name is Trish Cramblett, not Lita Ford. But that's fine. I mean, there's different, you know, for, for like me. I mean, I've always been probably the, the less talented guitar player in most bands I've been in. Same here. So, you know, it always comes down to just, but it's, I can keep the rhythm. I can play the chords. And that's really all you need to do. I don't know. A lot of times for me, sometimes people who are really good at guitar, it takes away from the song because it's like, I agree. look at this tasty riff I can throw in here. And it's like, yeah. it's like, but what did you just say? Like, oh, like, oh, you know. Yeah. I've played in a few bands with like lead, lead guitar players who are like that. It's like, they could school you all day in theory and all that stuff. And it's beautiful notes, but it's like too much a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You're just like, man. And so then you come to me and I'm like, look, I'm going to give you the best I got. I'm and a it's going to be real basic. It's going to be real basic. <laughs> well, and what are you saying? You exactly. Know? And are you playing in service of the song? And I think there's a lot of really amazing guitar players out there that can't write a song to save their lives, you know, and you can diddly do all over something, but if there's not really a song, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. I, I see that with production too. There'll be all this glossy production. And it's like, we're, I, I, is there a song in there somewhere? I, I don't really hear it. So, yeah, I think everybody, everybody has their gifts. You yeah, know. I always view it as some people it's are, true. you know, the, the contractor that creates the place. Some people are the interior designer mm-hmm. who just comes in and is like, we'll make it pretty. I'm definitely an interior designer. I am. <laughs> <laughs> See, where I, I view myself as like the, the dude who lays the foundation. And there it is. <laughs> I am. Y'all just put what you want on top of it. I try to make it pretty. Sometimes, Elf and Kim, though, there are some cracks in the foundation, but, you know. We patch it, we're fine. It's I fine. think you guys have built a fine a fine structure. Well, thank you. I See? love y'all's. It's been I love fun. Your, your buildings, yeah. <laughs> See? There's some point where it's like, oh, that's not the chord. So, have you been writing since you were young? I would say, I, you know, I, did, I wrote some stuff when I was a kid, and then I was always writing poetry, and then when I started playing guitar in my early 20s, I, I started writing, and then... You know, uh, like every idiot, I got married, put the, put it aside, had a kid, got a divorce, and then really couldn't play music for a really long time because uh, I was trying to keep a, ro- a roof over our heads. It was my son and I. And his dad was somewhat involved, but he ended up living in another city. So I was doing most of it. And then when my son got old enough, I was like in junior high, I started playing or taking guitar lessons again. And that's how I met my partner Dave he was my guitar teacher and then I would play out I play with a couple of cover bands and do some stuff but then and I was writing the whole time but I was way too embarrassed to I didn't think it was good I was too embarrassed to put it out there because I knew people would think it was terrible you know and so it was a lot of insecurity and then we had a friend that was that cut an album and uh, I don't know there was just something I was like God if he can do it I can do it and uh, Dave encouraged me anyway that's when I met Paul Beebe and 
was able to finally squeeze the stuff and put it out there and and then I just I, that's the part I love the most is the writing the writing yeah. part because you can do it in your head when you're doing anything mm-hmm. you know I love that and uh, I'm always trying to put rhymes together and find a different way to have a, a, a better way to have it to to express a line then I'm you know the first thing that comes to my mind so so that's a really long answer to you know did you write at the very beginning your whole life <laughs> you've been <laughs> yeah, a writer but I, mean, I don't even know it. yeah it's just always been you know something in there yeah yeah did you yeah right yeah always like poetry part of poetry mm-hmm. when I was in junior high high school always was that like gothic poetry girl <laughs> oh that's cool though my life is so terrible mm-hmm. my parents are so mean to me I mean, yeah. I think any song, junior songwriter, that's how it starts out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to this day, I mean, I'm sure anyone who's listening or you know, yourself, there are songs you push out to this day, and you're like, okay, we're going to take that out to the grill, and we're going to throw it in. Yeah. And no one can ever know that I wrote that. <laughs> and this one does not exist. Like, I did not write this at 42 years old. Like, this is bad, or 43 years old, 44. I'm just embracing it now, though. Like, I just tell people that I'm like, um, I haven't been writing songs that long. And so I'm, I consider myself like maybe a teenage songwriter. Mm-hmm. I'm not. So, what era would you say you're in? I would say I'm in my Taylor Swift era right now. Okay. <laughs> six for six. <laughs> and I'm, I am, uh, gross. I write some angry songs sometimes, but they're about things that happened to me in my, when I was in my 20s you know oh yeah i think i'm still mad about that shit it's cathartic right you're, you're finally getting to speak it up is. about it i think I have, it's a, some of it. I have a platform now but we have to be very careful Look out. because since you're married to sam a lot of times when it's like i'm out the door and all that stuff it's like wow sam must be really hard gets, to live with yeah maybe people think it's him we need like a disclaimer mm-hmm. it's not sam yeah. Oh no, I'm fine with people believing that. I'm totally. <laughs> it, it's it helps with our comedy routine that we do between songs. It does many layers of sand. I'm totally fine with people thinking I'm a terrible person. That's great. No, you're not. I don't think anybody believes that yeah, you're a terrible anybody person. Who knows Sam. anything? But I'm you. hoping that you know someone's like, oh man, he's terrible. It's, it's part of the lore of Samuel oh. Barker. Oh yeah, he seems like a nice guy, but God, if All you listen to Kim's side. songs, God, right? She's just yeah. one more word. She's gonna be out the door. We're gonna have to start doing that, like. At shows we'll have to disperse into the audience I'm like if you guys if you guys talk to that sam guy he's an asshole <laughs> he's a real son bitch yeah. we'll is he hitting you rumors. honey is he hitting you right. blink <laughs> once for yes lick your eyebrow for no <laughs> oh god well like ian and john and rebecca oh, did god. the uh, house show with the, was at the bandit queen of sorrows afterwards ian's like they had something of someone was wearing one of our shirts or something he's like oh dude you know that dude man the lead singer that bank treats his child terribly. He makes fun of him all the time and does all this. He kept saying, uh, like, he sells the worst. And John's like, that's his son. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. that's who's saying this. And Ian had him all riled up. Like, man, that guy sounds like the worst. Like, Granny Torch and Pitchforks, we're going to his house. Right? Like, I'd never play. And it's like, that's his son that's telling you all this. Like, Happy Father's oh. Day. <laughs> we need Ian to do our Ian. PR. Right? That's where you know he's actually my kid. Right? True. <laughs> I tease him to say he's some true. rando kid, but he's he's my kid. He's a pretty funny kid from what I see online. <laughs> I follow him. Yeah. So that's a good thing, man. So you mentioned, you know, parenthood and all that. So at what point did you end up in Houston? Was that something you did when you were younger? Was yeah. So when I was, uh, I guess when I graduated from high school, um, I had two ways to go. I could go to Oklahoma City and I had a chance to get a partial scholarship in music there, or I could do art. And I just didn't think I could make a living in music. I, mm-hmm. And so I moved to Houston to go to the Art Institute, and then I hated it down here. And uh, the kids 
were just, you know, I came from this little podunky town, and the kids that I was in school with, and this was like 82, everything was about sex. You couldn't say anything. Oh, do you want to sleep with him? Or you want to suck his, you know, and I was like, I fucking hate these people. They're awful. So I left, and my mom was British. I went to England for a year, and went to an art school there for a little while, and then came back, and then I ended up coming back to Houston and finishing at the Art Institute, and then I just kind of... You know, one thing leads to another, and you just kind of never leave, you know. So, uh, so once you got past that freshman year, did people's hormones calm down a little bit? I think I got in with a different group of kids. That's good, good too. Good call. And that was really night and day. Uh, some of the kids that I got into, uh, it, the, you know, you go by quarter, so you're with the kids for the entire time. Yeah. Um, and they were just a little less... The ones I made friends with were just a little less crazy. Uh, or just, they were cynical and hard. And I was like, I wasn't quite ready for that. I, I'm like that now, but uh, yeah, I wasn't ready for that at that age. I was so I mean, full of hope. That's right. When I moved down here, I brought my teddy bears. Okay. I'm talking, Aww. I was a little girl yeah. when I first oh, yeah. moved to Houston. And so, yeah, it was just a, a crazy culture shock for me but it's a big city i don't think people if you're not from texas you don't realize how big houston is yeah yeah absolutely what a culture shock it is to move here right and there was just a there was a harshness i mean just different different things i said to different people like i remember one of my teachers was english and i said oh my mom's english and he's like well you've got to be from somewhere and it just everything was kind of a smart ass cynical just snarky and i that's what i freaking hated about it. I was like, you guys all suck. Uh, but it got better. It got better, obviously. Yeah. You know, art schools have their share of pretension. It just comes with the territory. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred. Lots of people with their heads way up their own asses, I can tell you I feel that. attacked right now. <laughs> As an art teacher. Not you. Not you, man. <laughs> no, I'm a jerk. I'll be the first to admit it. My students will tell you that, too. But I get some damn good art out of them, so it's okay. You do. Hell's like the... He's almost like one of the gymnastics teachers. Like, just beats do not say Bella down. Caroli, please. I don't want to... <laughs> I can't... The Bella Caroli of art. Oh, 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 oh. Do it again! Oh, do it again, yeah! No. This kids finish their sculptures, he just pushes them off the table. Now work from here. <laughs> do it like you mean it this like, time. I have like the stick, I'm like, bow, bow on the ground. Like, faster, faster! Not no. my tempo. Carry your baseball bat and just crush everything. It's better than the other option of me being like the creepy teacher in um, the movie Ghost when they were doing the throwing on the wheel coming up behind and putting my hands over their hands. Don't do that. that. See, and I thought you were going for something totally different. I, when you started the subject, I thought you were going to talk about like that you both have kids named Ian. We do both have kids oh, named Ian. Well, that was interesting. Well, we're both pretty smart. <laughs> yeah. yeah good, it's a good name. Smart. Quality name. Mm-hmm. Quality. Hmm. Creative. Go. Yeah. Yeah. My kids, Our kids are both rather creative. My son's just named Trey. T-R-E-Y, not A-Y. He'll tell you that, too. Okay. Number three. <laughs> yep. It's We're so much better than number two. That would be me. Oh. <laughs> I'm the deuce. Oh. <laughs> That's true. Can't confirm. <laughs> junior. No, do not say that. Linda Helfenstein will fight fight you in an alley if you call me Junior. I'm not calling you that. I your don't. dad calls you that. I've heard your he dad call you that. He doesn't do it in front that. of her. You know why? <laughs> I've been happily married for 45 years because he hasn't <laughs> screwed that up yet. <laughs> All right. So moving forward with with Trish. I know we keep going off talking about ourselves. That's okay. It's before a show we're feeling very self-important. We're nervous. (laughs) I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm always nervous. I'm just hoping people make it here in their canoes tonight. I know. Because that will be be great. I hope, I wonder if the microphones are picking up like the thunder and the the rain. Oh, I'm sure that's going to be awesome. Rain's supposed to clear out by like showtime. So hopefully the water dissipates. Okay, that's good. 
I'm sure my dog's at home just having a nervous breakdown, poor little fella. So can I ask you this? If you started playing guitar and you met your partner, mm-hmm. um, and you said you'd been writing that whole time but not really sharing that with anybody, how did that feel when you got to sit down and share all of that with someone that you trusted and had, you know, kind of were playing music with for a little while? I assumed y'all played together. We did. He played with me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I had a, the band I was playing with. It was him and... Uh, few other guys that uh, so dave had this thing every month that this beat up old shithole called the shamrock inn way out in 59 and it was for his students we'd all go out there and jam in different configurations of us together so anyway I, I put together a band of some folks from there great players and then slowly people have left town and all that dave has a terrible problem with his hands now he has a neural issue that some Damn. musicians get where his brain doesn't send the right signals to his mm-hmm. fingers so he's going through therapy for that for a couple of years so he doesn't play with me anymore what was the question <laughs> Like, how did it feel when you finally got to share all those songs? Yeah, it was pretty weird. And I I think, you know, so David heard all of them and he was like, I think they're good. But, you know, he's got to say that, you know, he's. And so when I (laughs) decided I I wanted to go and record, um, I think that was the magic of working with Paul Beebe is that, you know, here's a guy that's can play anything. And, you know, he's kind of his family with David Beebe and everything, it's kind of like a little musical institution to a certain extent here. And that guy knows how to deal with people. And he knew that if he chatted with me a little while before we started recording, that I would kind of, I'd chill out a little bit. First day I went in there, was a mess. I had to have a wine cooler at 10 o'clock in the morning because I was such, so nervous. And um, it just, and it got easier and easier because uh, he just, he's like a little brother to me, only a little brother that's way smarter than me. And so when I go in and record with him, I can even say to him, does this song suck? Or is this cheesy? And he's pretty honest with me and so that that really helped us having i just found the right person the first time to record with who also uh was willing to kind of dave came up with a lot of guitar parts on my first two albums but he was able to fill in everything and and actually was having he has a great time doing he plays everything comes up with different parts and stuff i'll have ideas for certain things but if i don't paul's the guy so he's been my band really Mm -hmm. and i just hire people to play what the parts that he comes up with or that dave has come up with and it's also been really great to have these rotating musicians because like tonight two guys i usually play with are with orc and corpus christi so i have two other people but it keeps people from i think getting yeah the whole band dynamic that you can have if you play for a long time yeah yeah it also keeps me safe from people wanting to change my songs right and as a female uh, present company excluded <clears throat> some guys really think they know better and it's like even if this song sucks it's mine right right so i don't want to change it to what you think it might be might be better because this is really coming from my heart and this kind of is how it needs to be I'm it's paying, really not about you it's not no i'm paying you to play this and yeah. i get it if you don't like it i'm sorry but this is kind of how it needs to stay so in general i don't run into a lot of that with this particular scenario hmm. i do miss the camaraderie of having a group of people to create with but i kind of have that with dave and paul to mm-hmm. a certain extent and um so, so far it's worked, you know, so far it's, that's worked really nicely. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm lucky. That, that's funny. It's always my joke before we interview someone who's female because people have that idiotic, well, you know, I can, I can move in and tell them what to do or I can do this. It's like the first question should always be, you know, when did you find out despite having a vagina that you could actually make music? <laughs> yeah. What did it feel like? Because right. everyone's always like, <laughs> yeah. Well, right. take them to, it's just some chick singing in that band. You don't, you're not right. a guy, so you don't. No one says that really in front of their girlfriends or anything when they move like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'll even go, if I go to a guitar store and I'm buying something, I, they'll usually say, is this for you? Or do you have a kid that plays? 
Do you have a son that plays? I get that a lot. But in general, I've, I've been pretty lucky so far. You know, and Dave, my partner, does not. He's 100%. He's a prog guy. He doesn't write the stuff I write anyway. You right. Know? So we have these divergent styles. And when he does come up with parts, I love it because it's kind of like Nels Klein on a Wilco album. You know what I mean? He, It's so different. He brings this style he to it. He brings this cool stuff to it that yeah. I would never think of. And Paul said he would never. And so it kind of does this. Not that I compare myself to Wilco. Let me put it that way. But... You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's kind of something so outside the box, it really is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I guess that's my question. Like, uh, the one we we listen to quite often, Supernova, but I guess what albums did you have before that? Do you have more than that? I mean, I'm yeah, guessing it's not your newest. I have The Margins. Okay. So, when I, my first album I started recording in 2017, and that was Ain't Your Angel, and that was older songs that I'd written, and then some came to me during the recording and then like in the, the next year I, I, I make the joke that I you know decided to uh, release the next album right when COVID started of so course. that was cool and that was The Margins mm-hmm. and then during COVID I wrote Supernova and that kind of kept me from losing my mind just because I could concentrate on doing that and uh, I would go for long walks and that's kind of how I wrote a lot of the songs and then I've got right now I'm recording in an EP with Paul, and then I've had this crazy opportunity to record another EP, some songs with Chris Masterson. Oh. Nice. Oh, wow. Yes. And wow. so, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So I'll be doing that early June. But deserved. Don't feel like it's not deserved. Well, I, I appreciate that. It's uh, keep feeling like it's not so you don't become like, egotistical. And, like, so you're still friends with us? <laughs> Pardon? So you're still friends with us? Shut up. <laughs> no, it's a, it's all like wide-eyed wonder for me every, every step yeah. of the way. I don't think I've ever gotten Jay by any of it because like I said I think the fact that I'm not a fantastic musician I'm always wowed by everybody around me you know and like tonight I've got guys that are playing with me that it just elevates me so much and helps me kind of rise to the occasion even when I am super nervous yeah so uh yeah I feel really lucky we got crazy good musicians in this city you know yeah. It's funny too because we were kind of, I was like, you know, because you do all your own graphic art, like you do all your art for yeah. your albums and everything. Yeah. She writes all the songs, she does all the art. And I was like, is it difficult for you to like let things go of yours? But you know, you said you work with Paul and everybody. And, yeah, and I mean, so. I, tr- you know, even when the guys, like when we're playing gigs i tell the guys if you want to play with some of the parts i don't expect everybody to be robots and play verbatim you can get a little creative if you want to i mean i trust all of them they're all really good and they know what they're doing so but i don't want to box in and you know i don't play that much anymore i'm playing like once a month now mm-hmm. and so i i'm hoping that nobody gets super feel super stale on any of the stuff so i try to i try to just not micromanage people who know what they do and they're good at it you know what's cool when you're able to change things up live i think when you have different people like that because just from past bands things will happen that you never thought of and you're like oh 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 my god it's crazy okay i'm gonna have to remember that one like that sounded really cool compared to everything else yeah i well you know and i'm playing for the most part and i've got different guys tonight but i'm playing for the most part with the same musicians that play with charlie harrison yeah Mm -hmm. and those guys have been playing together for a long time and they just have chemistry and history and they know where they're you know definitely isaiah and mark are kind of connected 
at the hip a little bit so sometimes i'll you know on a solo (laughs) i'm like okay that song just ran off and took off but it's fun to be in the middle of it and listen to what they're doing willie will go to town or whoever yeah and they're all kind of ad-libbing and it sounds fantastic and that's not on the albums that i have those are just those guys sinking their teeth in and having a good time you know that's why you need to come out and support live music is to see things yeah. You're not going to get on the records. 100%. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The record's good. It is. Oh, I like, appreciate that. You can but. go through my like my internet, Facebook, social media feeds, and it's rare. I'm like, hey, here's this album that you need to go check out right now. And you know, Supernova came out. We got that. And I think it was just, you'd posted about it. I was sitting there. I was bored. And I was like, oh, I'll download Trisha's album. Let's do it. And I was like, damn it. So I think I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we bought we bought that it together. No, it. we bought it together. I bought it, so I like put it on our shared Google Drive. I was like, download this and listen to it. I'm busy. It's like I don't care if you're at work. Download it, listen to it. You're gonna love this. Like Aww. this is such a great record. And then yeah, about an hour later, Kim was like, her number one way of that we give praise is like, man, fuck her. <laughs> Yep. I, I know exactly what you're saying. And I oh, appreciate yeah. that you guys have said fuck her behind my back. We have. That means a lot to me. Because I love y'all's stuff. And so that means a whole lot to me. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. dude, how, oh, oh, God, it sounds so good. It makes you like come in and throw your hat down like, son of a bitch. Well, like, Why not do that? I hope I can always make you guys say fuck her behind my back. A lot of times live, you know, you don't, it's hard to, in a live situation, bar stuff, to, even when people are listening, you don't get every lyric no sitting at you know it's a very Continental different Club experience and things like that yeah. yeah and then it was just like when you start hearing everything it's like oh man she can write like decent lyrics god damn oh it's not fair Where i can't I? sing it's not fair mm-hmm. i can't sing how can she sing and write <laughs> it's not fair he just went and cried into his pillows like kicking his legs <laughs> no it was just i really was making it sound bad i was so impressed i was, I was just blown to... away i was like post yeah. online I was like y'all need to go listen like everyone needs to go listen and to this I record i appreciate that well and i was, was trying really to good. recall on the way here we were talking about when was the first time i saw you live and i think it was at dan electro's when you play with nathan taylor but i told sam i was like wow she's really good and i just assumed that you were like really famous <laughs> Immediately, you know, I think good, and I do appreciate that. But I, I think I would have to be extremely amazing at this age for anybody to really stop and take a listen. I think it's a real, it's a weird thing. I, I was talking to, you know, somebody was reviewing one of the the margins, and he's like, "You could never have written these songs when you were younger." And I was like, "I couldn't, I couldn't read most of these songs. I could not have written when I was younger because I didn't have the same experiences." And that's the kind of strange thing about songwriting in the music industry is once you get to a certain age especially as a woman you are deemed unfuckable and you just kind of don't matter anymore right and i mean there's certain there's a few exceptions but yeah, a but lot of few. the older women that are big still were, you know, they got big when they were really young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. People like, oh, it's this grizzled old guy. And no one's like, yeah, you know. Look at that sexy old granny over there. She's, she's hot. Nobody says that. Lady, it's but, so you know, weird that anybody has to be sexy. To mm-hmm. I mean, Bob Dylan, I, I think he became a, a sexy because of his mind. But there are so many people back in the day when we just heard the music instead of had this whole right. branding bullshit now we have to that we have it. now. Yeah. Well, yeah, once it got to move to the the format of video and everything, it just kind of yeah. fell apart. It's like, yeah, I like the music, but I really don't want to fuck that person. I mean, they were like, you know, male and female performers right. and just like record sales bombed because on this last tour we listened to I Want My MTV, like the audio book. Mm-hmm. 
that's what we do with the rock and rollers we are we listen to audio books yeah. we're on the road getting crazy on the road and uh, so that's when we killed Trish before the show. <laughs> she choked, she choked what they were talking about get illiterate <laughs> yeah. I was like Chris Squire like Wore a pink and dashed on his bed, and feeling like and that was the end of his career. Billy yep. Squire. Billy Squire. Yeah. Billy yeah. Squire. Whatever, yeah. dude. Well, I think, you know, obviously, guy. Sting is insanely talented person, but musician. He's a bass player. He's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know, he was so captivating on film in the videos. He was so, uh, and I think, you know, that started becoming a thing. Yeah. And, uh, like, good for you, but I'm not captivating. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I need you to just listen to me. <laughs> You're captivating. You're captivating. We like you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I say fuck anybody didn't like you, Kim. Well, They're not good people. They're I just mean as far people. as like, I mean, I know I asked, I said, you know, you, you seem to me like you were much more famous, but I don't know that I'd ever want to be famous. Oh, God, no. I don't think yeah. I have. No, there's all this. What if you'd gone into, done, you know, gone into music instead of art a long time ago? And I don't know really if I had the constitution for the music business and especially when it'd be too young and stupid to know oh, yeah, what I'm you can really get into. Oh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't try to tackle it when I was young. Definitely. But, like my son, Would have chewed me up and spit me out. Oh, my God, absolutely. Yeah. You know, my son is traveling around the country performing, and this is what he thought he always wanted. And he really does. I mean, he loves the performance aspect but the getting on a plane every other day and going somewhere else he absolutely hates and Mm. he likes getting recognized but by the same time sometimes he gets recognized by weirdos and so there's you know yeah i I, i'm pretty comfortable being where i'm at and i think too being this old is i i'm not going to get a label or anything so that means i can continue writing whatever the fuck i want to write and recording however you and want just do whatever i want and i'll put yeah. the music out there and maybe somebody will connect with it and if they don't they don't you know i don't have anything to lose but money <laughs> well, that's kind of the thing like you know like shane talked about during his interview he's like we had the fortune of never being that popular where it's like we were still we were popular enough we could as long as we played every day we could pay for touring and making records yeah it's like but we weren't big enough where we couldn't do what we wanted to do right Right. It's like there's a lot of freedom that comes with like, okay, I'm going to... I think Steve Albini talks about that a lot with Shellac. It's like, we get to do whatever we want. So that's why I keep running my recording studio and doing that because I'm not mm-hmm. having anyone tell me, well, you know, you, you need to make a record that sounds like this last one, so we'll buy it. It's like, yeah. no. Right. Not that he's ever made accessible music, but it's the whole idea of... Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, too. Is like I, I know a few people that have had that transition from the point where they could, before their show, before their gig, they could sit at the bar and hang out. Right, yeah. and a few people would recognize and come talk to them, and then suddenly they had something hit, and they had to go hang out in the green room the entire time because if they went out to the bar, yeah. they're going to be inundated with all these people. And I'm like, I don't, I wouldn't want to do. That'd be a boring existence, you know. Like, I'll, I'll stay in my my lovable mediocrity. I'll stay here. I'm comfortable. Well, that's what blows me away with like Ben Nichols. You go see Lucero, like he is in the audience the entire night when they're not on stage. Yeah. I'm guess it's just because yeah it's been after a while it's just like there yeah. it is but it's just amazing like how does this dude continually do this like they keep getting like they're a pretty big band now yeah no Lucero and it's like how do you do but you know when we saw him at White Oak a few years ago he's just hanging out by the bar in the back mm. like what's up yeah. hey what's going on I'm like guess it's if it's expected it's Maybe just strange he's just defying the expectation you know back to you saying me I don't think you I think there's plenty of people that are mediocre that are famous more that's than that's true <laughs> And I think there's a lot of people that are really fucking good that are not where they should be. Agreed. I mean, that's what I—that's the part of all of this that bums me out more than anything is some of the people I really love. I'm just kind of like, wow, how are you not playing a much more gigantic venue for more money? You know? Yeah. 
but um, also if they were then i don't know i just i would probably resent and hate music if it got to that point and then yeah, i mean i, I get anymore uh, well i have i have some buddies from kentucky they grew up with tyler childers right they were in his wedding now they can't even hang out like they can't, you can't go just hang out with tyler because it's like you have to plan everything out because he's at that level yeah where it's not like we're, we can bro out you know, you're not gonna go to the corner store and pick up a forty and hang out. Like, right. you have to like plan this all out, and you know, it's that's got to be not and cool I, at I some point. Fame, I think, does weird thing or success, should I say, does weird things to some friendships. I yes. think some people get really weird about success, and it makes them uncomfortable. And that is my guitar player warming up in the way. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Just Getting the warm up sounds good. I'm, I'm cool. Right. But yeah, yeah, it's. I don't know, I always go back to the thing as a young kid listening to like the wall. Mm-hmm. It's like that taught me. It's like, yeah, I don't ever want, I wouldn't, I'd hate popularity because it's all yeah. that album is. It's just how much I hate, how much Roger Waters hated fame. Right. And it was just like, this is, I hate everybody. I'm too misanthropic for all this. Right. <laughs> well, you know, like Neil Peart, he would not meet any of the fans after the shows. The other guys, Getty Lee and the, I can't remember the, Alan. Alex Lifeson? Yeah. And he wouldn't go out. He's like, I'm not here to make people's fanboy fantasies come true. I, and I, I, it sounds shitty, but by the same token, if you go and like leave everything on the stage, it's it's a hell of a thing to ask somebody to also come and be social afterwards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I understand both sides of it. I mean, I have a hard time being social after a show and I'm, I'm nobody, you know, and it's just because I'm fucking worn out. I'm just awkward. <laughs> well, I think a lot of it is you have to realize that not everyone functions the same. The same way. Just right. because Very one true. person's like, all right, I finished the show. I'm going to go hang out and have a beer with everybody. It doesn't mean everybody. Some people are just, they're scared shitless when they're on stage right. and they get off without having a guitar between them and the audience. It's really scary. Yeah. Or shy. Or just yeah. shy. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I do better with one-on-ones, but if it's a big group of people, I'm kind of like, I'm going to go over here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, they just expect performers, I think, to be robots. I think... Yeah, you I know. think that's well, just I, an I also, also realize that there's a little bit of a... We create a bit of a stage persona, right? There is this confidence that sure. we create. And True. we're not always those people. Like, when I get off stage, yeah, I'm, I'm talking, but in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to say something stupid. I know it. I'm going to say something stupid. You know, and it's it's just how I, I function. Oh, you know? that and, makes and, me sad. No, no. I mean, that's... But also, my job, what I do nine to five is I'm on all the time. And I'm... I'm yeah, It's almost exhausting. like I'm living on stage all the time. Yeah. So when I'm not in that... I'm like, oh God, I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm so scatterbrained. <laughs> well, it sounds like you just need to unplug when you're not working. I think you know, so. that just sounds, yeah, like you need some time. The hell with that. We got podcasts or shows to, to play. That's right. right. That's what I was laughing about talking about the Tyler Charles thing. I mean, we, we're nobodies, and it's like, I'm already at like, my friend, like, when can we hang out? I'm like, all right, dude, July? May 27th July. is the next time <laughs> right. that we have a Saturday with nothing going on. What do you say? Do we hang out on May 27th? This was the beginning of April, by the way. Right. Wow. If you want to get yeah. some quality health time, get in the band with me. That's okay? right. Yeah. Yeah. You want to hang out. That's the only reason Sam has me in the band. He just wanted to be my friend. That's so what like, I, learned, I learned when Sam and I started dating. If I wanted to see Sam, I needed to go to Sam's shows because oh. that's what he does. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then Kim made him better. Aww. Can't confirm on that. No offense, Thanks. Sam. Thanks. Thanks. You know. I'm making Thanks, hearts. Thanks, bro. we're so gross well all right is there anything else you'd like to add we feel like sound checks fixing to go down so we need to get moving i hear you got 
you're recording a new EP. Just released a couple songs off of it, right? Yeah, I just kind of did loose release. Okay. And uh, so I won't actually do like the release release when I put all five together. And so, and that was nice. with Edgewater and uh, they were great. And uh, they're just, I can't afford them all the time. So. And now you're going to go record another EP in and July, you said? So I'm doing three songs with Chris Masterson to put with Edgewater songs to release as an EP. And then nice. I'm doing five songs with Paul Beebe that later in the year I'll release as an EP. Nice. Man, someone is staying busy. I like it. No kidding. Yeah. Well, you know, I got to do this shit before I die. Exactly. Right. We ain't getting any younger. I am not getting any younger. <laughs> right. So. Well, awesome. We'll look for those. And if you have not checked out Supernova, check out Supernova. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for having me. Killer records. It's nice killer chatting with you on that. It is good. We always enjoy this because we get to know people better. So, yeah. Thanks for coming and playing tonight. Thank you for asking me. It means <laughs> a lot to me. This is my first time at Old Quarter. Yes. All right, y'all. We'll see you next time. Later. Bye. All right. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Music in the Minor League. If you like what you heard, remember, share the podcast with a friend. Let people know you dig it. It's the best way for us to beat the algorithms and actually get heard by some folks. If you enjoyed Trish, please follow her online. Go check her out on Spotify. Go to Bandcamp and buy a copy of her record. She has two of them out. It's worth checking out. It's really great stuff. Now we're going to leave you with her song, Walk in the Sun. This is one of Kim's favorites, so we hope you'll enjoy his much as we do and we'll see you next week for our 20th episode celebration as our friends from grifters and chills come in and we discuss influential albums that led us to play music so see you next week bye-bye History's always on repeat Don't live long enough to learn Why love's always got us be Never in the driver's Bought a pack of lies wholesale The devil's not in the details Never step begs the question Are we headed the right way? Who's in charge of this parade?
Rage against the dying 